here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, today on the Mark Levin Show, and proud and honored, as always, to attempt to fill his shoes here on the great Mark Levin show, heard coast to coast in these great United States of America. There's a lot to talk about, and I know, I know, I know, I know everybody on cable news wants to talk about Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen and the sentencing of Michael Cohen and what this means about Trump. And this means clearly he's going to resign or it's impeachment or whatever it is. And it's the Michael Cohen is going to jail and Michael Cohen. Have you noticed no one's talking about Russian collusion? Have you noticed that? Is it me? Suddenly nobody's talking about Russian collusion. We're going to talk about Michael Cohen. We are. And and we're going to talk about that. And, and, and frankly, I think an even bigger story, we're going to talk about what we're learning now about that investigation, the interrogation by Peter Strzok and the FBI of General Michael Flynn, then the National Security Advisor. We're learning so much about how uh, James Comey coordinated that interrogation that ended up leading to uh, Mike Flynn's a guilty plea of giving false information to an FBI agent. We're going to talk about all of that as well. But we need to pause for a second here and go back and talk a little bit about this campaign finance violation that Michael Cohen is uh, has pled guilty to. And And listen, any listener to the Mark Levin show, and that includes me, knows for a fact that what Michael Cohen pled guilty to in campaign finance uh, violations uh, is is not a violation of the campaign finance laws, period. End of discussion. There's, there's no even wiggle room about this. And you know this because you've heard Mark on this very program interviewing the man who helped write this law, the, the man who enforced this law for the Federal Elections Commission. You know exactly what this law is made. This, this is, it is a complete and total bastardization of the understanding of what election finance law is supposed to be, what it's supposed to enforce, what it's supposed to uh, achieve. Understand something. The Southern District of New York, in getting Michael Cohen to accept this plea deal, where he stands up in court and admits that he broke campaign finance laws it it does not mean suddenly that what michael cohen admitted to is now the definition of of this law it doesn't have some sort of giant weight now so that anyone else who may have done what michael cohen did is now guilty of that crime that's not it he can plead guilty to it but doesn't mean he actually broke this law i know that seems strange but that's actually how this goes down. And then one other thing, and, and Mark himself made this point on his incredible Facebook page on a post that he gave the other day, uh, yesterday on this. Um, you ever notice that the Southern District of New York for the United States Attorney's Office is not generally the venue to prosecute election finance laws? Do you know why? Because the Southern District of New York is not really sort of ground zero, if I could, 
for election laws and and federal elections. That would be Washington, D.C. They're not experts on this law in any way whatsoever. In fact, I'll, I'll read Mark himself. This is one of his bullet points. Southern District of New York is not expert in campaign finance violations. Neither is the Clinton-appointed district judge. They rarely handle campaign finance cases. The left-wing media and politicians are regurgitating what the prosecutors have merely filed in their own self-serving brief. The media and others intentionally refuse to look at the actual rules and context. They refuse to even question what these prosecutors have thrown together. And that is, as usual, absolute fact. Understand what Michael Cohen pled guilty to. The the allegation and what he pled guilty to is that he took Donald Trump's money and paid someone off to keep them quiet. A non-disclosure agreement. What they're calling hush money. Yeah, I can call it hush money if you want. There's nothing illegal about it. You give somebody a payment. You sign a document. It's called a non-disclosure And in exchange for the money you're giving them, they promise not to say anything. I've signed non-disclosures before. I've received money for non-disclosures before. Anybody who has left a company that they've been employed with after years and years and years, oftentimes part of your severance is linked to a non-disclosure agreement. All right, you know, your company that you're leaving for one reason or another has a severance package that they want to offer you. And you can have your severance package. You can exit on these terms, but you just have to sign this agreement. And that agreement often has a non-disclosure for various reasons. Sometimes it's for proprietary information that the company uh, wants to keep private about their business practices, about their clients, about their customers, about their sourcing. Sometimes it's about individuals. I, you know, I worked for a company. In fact, I'll even tell you, I worked for the, the Breitbart News Organization. Andrew Breitbart hired me. I was his, uh, I think, his seventh or eighth person that he ever hired. It was still when he was working out of his basement in Westwood, California. And so I worked uh, there with Andrew and with the whole crew there and John Nolte and Alex Marlowe and uh, Mike Flynn, God rest his soul, uh, Dana Lash, Michael Walsh. Uh, did I mention John Nolte already? I think I did. Um, up the way, along with a little, young little newcomers coming in, Joel Pollack, Ben Shapiro. Um, all those guys. And uh, and Steve Bannon took over after Andrew passed away. And about a year later, I left the company. And as is customary, I signed a non-disclosure. I signed I've, three times in my career I've done that. There's nothing illegal about this. So Michael Cohen, on behalf of his client, Donald Trump, enters into a non-disclosure agreement. With uh, Stormy Daniels and apparently some other woman. Says, here's the payment. Sign this document. Don't say anything. And they are saying that that is a violation of campaign finance laws. Now, now I want you to just think about this for a second because it's incredibly important. This was Donald Trump's money. It was his private money that he paid in a legal private transaction to another person in exchange for this non-disclosure agreement. And they're saying that is a violation of campaign finance laws because their claim is that he did this because the information that these women might have said would have been damaging to the campaign. And therefore, it helped the campaign, and therefore, it should have been part of campaign funds. Right? 
and then this would be then a violation of campaign finance because it was above the regulated amount of money that one can put into a campaign. It's it's outrageous. Explain that. Just and I know that you're going to get into debates, you know, over the holidays with your liberal brother-in-law about this. I say that because that's usually what I end up having to do. So I feel your pain. Here's your argument back to them. When they say, well, clearly that's a violation of campaign finance laws. And you say, okay, let me just get this straight. Are you telling me that if Donald Trump in the middle of a presidential campaign where he's raising hundreds of millions of dollars from all around the country, where good men and women in, in Oklahoma and Pennsylvania and North Dakota and Michigan and even California and New York, because not everyone who lives in those states are mind numbed zombies. He's raising money from all of these good people who reach into their bank account and and grab $20, $50, maybe even $100. You know, a good night out and some movies with the kids. But instead of doing that, they're giving money to this political campaign because they want Donald Trump to be the president. And all that money comes into his campaign accounts. And Donald Trump takes that money, his campaign funds, not his private money, his campaign money. And uses that for hush money. He uses that to enter into this non-disclosure agreement. And that you'd be okay with? That wouldn't be a violation? That's not a misappropriation of campaign finance laws, uh, funds? To take money that people donated to a campaign and pay off a porn star? Is that the position of the U.S. Attorney's Office, the Southern District of New York? Is that their position right now? That it is illegal to use your private money to take care of a private matter. But if you would use campaign funds to pay somebody off for their silence, that we'd be fine with. And of course, the answer is no. This is your classic Justice Department heads I win, tails you lose. They have twisted and distorted this law for one reason and one reason only, and it's to get Donald Trump. And it is an outrage. And it defies logic. It defies explanation. But that's exactly what we're looking at right now. And I don't care if Michael Cohen pled guilty to it. People plead guilty to things all the time for their own personal and private reasons. And in this case, not private because the guy's grandstanding is saying, oh, he's lived in the darkness and now he's come to the light. But by the way, nowhere in here is there any uh, suggestion that Donald Trump told Michael Cohen to lie forced him to lie, compelled him to lie. I want to go back to uh, to uh, uh, Mark Levin's bullet points on this because they're great. Let me just continue some of the things that he's written about this because you need to hear it. And then, you know, I'm filling in for him, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have an opinion on these things and he's let it be known through Facebook. The actual campaign rules and context do not include non-disclosure agreements or infinite other contracts, payments, arrangements, acts of a private nature as campaign contributions. It's normal human behavior and was never intended to be regulated or reported. And he finishes that bullet point with uh, Southern District of New York is dead wrong. And they absolutely are. Think about Think about this for a minute. Let's say you want to run for office, right? And you're going to run for office and uh, you've got some high credit card debt that you've been floating for a long time 
All right. And, and you're a candidate now and you've got your whole campaign finance apparatus in. And there's some reporters that are sniffing around. You got a, a candidate. God knows. Let's say you're running against Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton uh, gets a law firm to hire Fusion GPS and they got Michael Steele and they're turning over every rock. They want opposition research on you. It might even end up in a FISA warrant. You never know. And they're sniffing out anything that's in your closet. They're sniffing out anything that might be bad about you. And you've got these debts and it might make you look bad. So, so you borrow money to pay off your debts, to clean it up, right? Or maybe you've got a bunch of money. Maybe you sell some stock. Maybe you borrow from your 401k. And you pay off all that credit card debt because you don't want it to look bad when you're running for office. Is, did you just break the law? Did you just break the law because you didn't use campaign funds to make that payment? This is disgusting and despicable. And and in case you're on the fence about this, in case you're like, like, Larry, I hear you. And it kind of makes sense what you're saying. But at the same time, I don't know, you know, Southern District of New York, U.S. Attorney's Office. I mean, gosh, Andrew McCarthy used to work there. Uh, Rudy Giuliani used to work there. I mean, these are these are, uh, you know, like these are like Jack Webb on Dragnet. This is like, you know, Gary Sinise on CSI. I mean, these are these are the good guys. I they they wouldn't be doing that. They wouldn't be getting it wrong, you know. I don't know. Uh here's here's my proof. Here is the proof that this stinks to high heaven. Who's celebrating this thing? Who's going nuts about it? Who's acting like this is the final end? And God knows they've been saying this for two years, that this is the final nail in the coffin for President Trump. He's going to be resigning in disgrace, if not impeached, if not indicted and frog marched out of the White House. Well, you got your Chris Cuomo's and you got your Don Lemon's and you got your Rachel Maddow's and you got your Lawrence O'Donnell's and you got your Joe and Mika's. Oh, boy, are we going to get to Mika later on? Uh, You got all the usual suspects on cable and broadcast news and on your favorite liberal websites who are going nuts with us. And I'm sorry. Yes, absolutely, they're guilty by association. If if something the Southern District of New York and Michael Cohen put together in this guilty plea stinks to high heaven when, when held up to the mirror of the law and l- basic logic, and then it's celebrated by the likes of Chris Cuomo, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, Lawrence O'Donnell, and Chris Matthews. I'm sorry. Case closed. There's something wrong with this, and there really is. And I've got a little bit more on this. I've got a little bit more on uh, Michael Cohen's guilty plea today and how it isn't what the mainstream media is telling you. And then we're really going to get into the details we're learning now about Mike Flynn and that interview he had with the FBI, the one that led to this guilty plea uh, almost a year after the interview and now led to his sentencing uh, that is taking place right now. We're going to get to all of that. So go nowhere. I am Larry O'Connor. And this is the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Larry O'Connor sitting in for Mark Levin. Uh, by the way, I absolutely want your reaction to this and our conversation that we're about to have about the Mike Flynn guilty plea. 877 877- 381-3811. Love to talk to you about all this stuff. 877-381-3811. It's the, the smartest 
uh, national audience in radio. I have to say that because I'm on on WMAL in Washington, D.C., and they'll get upset if I suggest that you're smarter than them. So you're a national audience. You're right. Okay. So I want to compare apples to apples. One other thing about this Michael Cohen Election Commission thing, Hans von Spakovsky, uh, Heritage Foundation, uh, formerly of the Justice Department, he's forgotten more about election law than anyone at the Southern District of New York is going to know, uh, with all due respect. Uh, he wrote about this today, Daily Signal, uh, and he refers specifically to uh, to this idea that this private transaction can't possibly be a violation of campaign finance law. Again, the Southern District of New York, they maintain that anything used to influence the outcome of the election must, in fact, be a campaign expenditure. But but here's the thing. And Hans von Spakovsky actually uh, cites the law itself, Federal Election Commission Act. Uh, this is uh, 52 U.S.C. 30114-B2. It says, quoting now, any expenditures used to fulfill any commitment, obligation, or expense of a person that would exist irrespective of the candidate's election campaign. Are you telling me that Donald Trump, billionaire uh, real estate magnet, and, by the way, television personality, that it it wouldn't have behooved him and been a completely understandable and appropriate private transaction outside of the confines of a presidential election to have entered into this non-disclosure act with these people? Of course it would have. And finally, the whole basis of election law in the first place, finance law, is so that a rich person can't unduly influence uh, a candidate by pumping a bunch of money his way. That's not the case here. Trump had all the money. It's his money. Who's influencing him? It's Larry O'Connor on The Mark Levin Show. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit. But most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Is that a copy of the Constitution you've got? Are you just happy to see Mark Levin? Call him now at 877-381-3811. Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, here on the Mark Levin Show. We got a little bit more about this uh, power grab. This is really a power grab from the Southern District of New York. Yes, the intention is to get rid of President Trump. Uh, but also, let's face it, if you believe and agree and love the separation of powers as articulated in our U.S. Constitution, uh, this is nothing but a power grab. They're taking this law passed by the legislative branch, san- signed by the executive branch years ago, 
back in the early 70s, and they're now reinterpreting it in such a way that the executive branch can wield such incredible prosecutorial power over elected officials. People in Congress and the Senate, should be, they should be frightened by this. They should be terrified by it, that the executive branch can do this now, that basically any funds used by a candidate for a personal private matter, if it's their private money, you're guilty. If you use campaign funds, you're guilty. Are you kidding me? This is a power grab. You can't let the Justice Department and the executive branch do this kind of thing. We're going to get into a little bit more of that and and the outrage that we're learning now about the circumstances behind the interview from Mike Flynn and the FBI, headed up by Peter's truck, uh, that's looking more and more like entrapment every day. All that coming up in a sec. I want to tell you about uh, CarShield. When it comes to costly car repairs, you got to have options, right? The the choice is what it's all about. That's, that's, That's how we get the, the best in this country, in any free market society. But instead, you're often stuck bargain hunting, right? You want the best deal because who can afford to fork over $1,000 for a repair? You can't put a price on your family's safety and security on the road. So don't go for just the bargains. No, you got to be smart. That's why you get this extended vehicle protection from Car Shield. I know Mark has this and he loves it. Car Shield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice, right? We love that. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. Car Shield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate and extended vehicle protection, just like Mark did. Call 800-CAR-6100 and then mention the code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com and use the code LEVIN to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or call 800-CAR-6100. Mention the code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. Let's turn quickly to Mike, Sunshine, Maryland. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. I'm Larry O'Connor. What do you say? Hey, Larry. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I think that um, he was weak, uh, as Trump said, and I don't think there's going to be any liability for Trump. You know, the Trump brand was worldwide. And it was common for him to, I'm sure, enter, uh, resolve legal disputes. Uh, uh, I'm sure he signed NDAs all the time yes. and entered into them. So to my mind, this is not something – this is something he would have done irrespective of a campaign. That's right, which which by ne- definition shows you that it is not a campaign expense. It's so exactly. logical. Mike, Mike, thank you for that. I appreciate the call. You're right. Here's, what, here's the thing. I'm not a super old guy, okay? I'm not, I'm not really old. I'm, I'm old enough, though. I'm old enough to remember that what, what Donald Trump and what, what Michael Cohen just pled guilty to and what, Michael, uh, what Donald Trump is now being accused of, where everyone across the landscape of the liberal media and liberal politics, and they're one and the same, all of them are saying that Trump is going to be let out of the White House in a frog march in cuffs with a perp walk when he leaves the White House, if not during his tenure at the White House. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when they called what Trump is being accused of here a bimbo eruption. Do you remember the bimbo eruptions? Do you remember? that they, they bragged about it during the Clinton campaign. No, not the two failed Hillary Clinton disasters. No, the Bill Clinton political campaign in 1992. 
when back then the media, before they found new love, respect, and admiration for George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush 41, before they thought that he was the guy, and they were right, by the way, he's a great man. But back then they hated him. They hated him so much because I guess he didn't put on sunglasses and play a saxophone in Arsenio Hall, and he wasn't cool, and he didn't joke about wearing, you know, uh, boxers or briefs on MTV and you know, all that stuff that Bill Clinton did. Back then, his campaign apparatus bragged about the fact that all these women came forward saying that they had had affairs with Bill Clinton or that he was, you know, inappropriate with them. And of course, the women all said that because it was true. And the campaign blithely just said, oh, we've got another bimbo eruption. Well, let's go take care of it. How do you think they took care of it? Hello? All Trump needs to do is say, oh, that thing with the non-disclosure, that was a bimbo eruption. What's the deal? Carl, Blairstown, New Jersey. Carl, you're on the Mark Levin Show. I'm Larry. How are you today, sir? Good. What do you say? I, 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 the, uh, your Mr. Producer, they call and ask me one word. And I think it's eventually that, that Donald Trump will probably have to resign from all the things that are coming up. And I really? think that today... The beginning of that with Michael Cohen. Well, you know, it, it just seems like every single thing that he ever accused Hillary of, which were true, he's also guilty of. And I think that's the mm. irony, and that's what people are starting to really ponder. Uh, the, like, what is this guy all about? You know? setting, setting aside what we know Hillary did, and I don't even want to engage you in that right now, can you tell me one thing? Because you just said all of the things. Can you tell me one thing based on what we've uh, learned well, in, the, in the Michael Cohen uh, plea here that you think he's, that will lead to his resignation? Well, well, you you just brought it up the bimbo eruption. So uh, Donald Trump, in I think it was the third debate, invited uh, ex lovers of Bill Clinton because look at look at this guy how dirty he was and how dare Hillary you know pay them off. Uh-huh. And Donald Trump did the same thing. That's one. One okay. example. Well, Carl, just so you know, those weren't ex lovers. Um, one of them was a rape victim, uh, and one of them was a victim of sexual assault. <laughs> or no, excuse me, of sexual harassment. Well, rape- uh, so th- th- those aren't girlfriends. Number one, uh, and then number two, they weren't setting that aside for a moment. Why would that lead to a resignation? You're telling me that when a politician taking your premise, which I reject, but let's take your premise for the sake of argument so we can expose the ridiculousness of your illogic here. Uh, you're telling me that when a politician is hypocritical and has a double standard that will lead to their resignation. Have you ever witnessed American politics, Carl? I'm very well, very well versed in politics. So you're and- accused what you're accusing Donald Trump of being is a, a politician with a double standard who accuses his opponent of something that he's guilty of. And that will lead to his resignation. That's one of the things. Okay, Carl. Well, that was the. I I gave you the. You know, you'd think you'd swing for the fences. I appreciate the call. You'd think you'd swing for the fences and tell me in a big way what you know, like like he's guilty of campaign finance laws. It's remarkable that we've been talking about the ridiculous campaign finance law hoax that has been perpetrated on the American people in the last 48 hours through the Southern District of New York, claiming that Michael Cohen is guilty of that law, and by extension, Donald Trump is guilty of violating that law. I've been talking about it, giving details on it. I give you the chance to tell me how, you know, you say this is the beginning of the end. Oh, really? Tell me one thing. And you skip over the campaign finance laws and go to the idea that he was a hypocrite in the second debate by accusing Clinton of something that he did. Okay. I, again, I reject your premise, but even if you buy your premise, I don't think being a politician on the national stage for president and having a double standard 
is grounds for resignation. I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that one. Uh, let's get let's let's move now on to the uh, Mike Flynn story. As you know, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, head uh, and director of military intelligence when he worked at the Pentagon under Barack Obama, uh, became the national security advisor for Donald Trump. He's a week into the job and he gets a phone call from the FBI directly. Says, hey, we got some questions about these contacts that you may have had during the transition with uh, Ambassador Kislyak of Russia. You mind if we swing over and talk to you about it? Oh, yeah, dude, come on over. Uh, Peter Strzok, you know him. He's the guy who sends text messages to his girlfriend about how much he hates Trump and how much he loves Hillary and how he needs to have an insurance policy just in case Trump wins. Yeah, I wonder what that insurance policy was. Uh, he's also the guy who interviewed Hillary Clinton while she was surrounded by a team of lawyers. Took two and a half hours, didn't take any notes, and said, yeah, she's clean. He's the guy who leads the conversation with Mike Flynn over at the White House. And that conversation led to uh, Flynn resigning from his position. And by December of 2017, pleading guilty to Robert Mueller's special counsel team of giving false information to a federal investigator. The investigators, the FBI investigators, were learning now in the sentencing documents, came to the White House, walked into Flynn's office and said, uh, you know, listen, uh, we should tell you, if you want, you can have the White House counsel here. You can have your own personal attorney here during this conversation. But, you know, that's just going to it's going to drag things out. It's going to make things more complicated. I mean, it's your call, but it's just going to make things a lot more difficult. Uh, They were trying to make him feel more relaxed in the conversation. Now, Flynn is still under the impression that, uh, you know, knowing that Russia is one of our adversaries, knowing that there's an ongoing uh, counterintelligence investigation into various things that Russia has done, that the FBI calls him as national security advisor and says they want to clear some things up about the Russia. He thinks that this is a governmental conversation, that they're discussing things that involve the national security of the United States of America. So he says, yeah, no, that's fine. Let's just talk. And that's what led to the guilty plea of Mike Flynn giving false information to the FBI. Now, a couple of things about this. By the way, have you heard any of these details if you watch CNN or the broadcast? I I was. So now I I don't. I go on Fox News a lot. I do. Uh, and I'm happy to do so, and I love the programs. I'm a big fan of Tucker. I, I love Mark's show on the weekends. I do Tucker. I'm on Shannon Bream's show a lot. I love it. I don't watch it that much for a couple of reasons. First of all, the biggest reason, I want to know what the other guys are saying. That helps me do my job. And I watch CNN, and I watch MSNBC. I watch the network news. I so pity the people who watch those networks and don't listen to talk radio, don't listen to the Mark Levin show. You know that they're not hearing any of these details that I just delivered to you. They're not hearing any of this. They're not hearing the fact that James Comey, then FBI director who oversaw this interrogation, we're now learning it was in fact an interrogation, not just some conversation, of then National Security Advisor Mike Flynn, he bragged over the weekend. He bragged about the fact that the circumstances I just described to you where an FBI agent picks up the phone and calls directly to the National Security Advisor and says, hey, we got some questions, can we talk? He would have never done that under the Obama administration or under the Bush administration. He said, he bragged about this, he 
he says he took advantage of the early days of the Trump administration and the lack of organization. He said he would not only would it never have happened, this questioning under these auspices, but he would have never had the FBI agent call Flynn directly. They would have immediately called the White House counsel because that's the protocol. Gee, James Comey, FBI director, violating protocol. Where have I heard that before? God, that sounds familiar. And, and, and it's funny. It's happened a few times, hasn't it? When he bypassed his boss, the attorney general, Loretta Lynch, and made the judgment that no charges would be brought against Hillary Clinton. I mean, the inspector general found that that was irregular. Uh, and then gave that press conference total breach of protocol when he initiated a counterintelligence investigation on Russia and their involvement uh, potentially in the Trump campaign, going so far as to get a FISA warrant and spies. Oh, no, I know they were uh, governmental informants or whatever the heck they wanted to call them. They were spies. Their job was to talk to people associated with the Trump campaign to try to get information from them surreptitiously. And then deliver, but that's what a spy does. You can call him whatever you want, but they were spying on the Trump campaign. He did that. He had the FISA warrant. He initiated the counterintelligence investigation, and he waited nine months to inform Congress of those actions. Standard protocol for the FBI engaged in exactly those activities would dictate that at the very maximum, he would wait three months before notifying the gang of aid in Congress. Every quarter, they have a meeting where they disclose who has a FISA warrant, who's being investigated, what counterintelligence, what's going on. That's called oversight. That's called separation of powers. That's called checks and balances. The legislative branch is informed what the executive branch is doing using their powerful police state tools that they have at their disposal, the FISA investigation and surveillance that they only are allowed to do with the blessing of the legislative branch because the legislative branch answers to we the people. And so the only reason they allowed the executive branch to have that kind of power for national security purposes The only uh, ground rules was, okay, fine, you guys can do this. You can do the spying. You can do the FISA warrant on American citizens like Carter Page, a Naval Academy graduate who's never been charged with a crime. You can do that kind of thing. But at the very least, you got to keep us informed about this. We want to know so we can have oversight. So if there is abuse, we can keep you from, from police state tactics like this. And James Comey, in this instance... Breached protocol again. Didn't follow the norms. Wow, we're up to four different times now that he's breached protocol. And it's amazing every single time. And now this time, he doesn't call the White House counsel and say, hey, we've got some FBI agents and they've got some serious questions for Mike Flynn. So we'd like to arrange a time where you are there, where General Flynn is there, and we can ask these questions because we're doing a counterintelligence investigation and he's potentially a a character in this in this investigation not a target necessarily but who knows ultimately he was right and he broke that protocol as well so each and everything that i just heard together he breaks protocol and it's all to the detriment of donald trump shocking isn't it james comey paragon of virtue joe friday law and order no politics not a single political bone in his body you still buying that Me neither.
I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Cutter sitting in for Mark Levin here. And yes, I will get to your calls. The uh, lines are jammed. You all want to jump in with your own uh, reaction to this. And we will get to it as well. And much more. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Christine Blasey Ford is back. Yes, the good doctor. Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, right up there with Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. She's back in the news and we'll explain. Uh, first, oh, Mr. Producer and Mark, you know, they, they, don't, they don't agree on anything. They don't agree on anything. But they finally found something that they agree on. Not political, certainly not football. No, it's they both love their different versions of the X chair. Even though they're different heights and weights, seriously, big time, the X chair confirms to each of them to provide the same unbelievable level of support and comfort. Mr. Producer just told me how he is physically feeling the difference. Less pain, more energy, better focus, more productivity. That's all he can talk about. It's really starting to get annoying. You know, the holidays are just around the corner. An X chair makes the perfect gift for a hardworking spouse or employee. Yeah, boss, get your employee something nice for once. Don't be afraid to reward yourself, by the way, with your own X chair. You've earned it. X chair is introducing two new colors for the holidays, red and white. Both are stunning. Go to xchairlevin.com now to see them. And if you prefer one of those new standing desks, which are very cool, Xchair has its own version called the X-Flex Top Sit-Stand Desk. Check it out, xchairlevin.com as well. Xchair, it's on sale for $100 off. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Xchair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee complete satisfaction xchairlevin.com use the code word levin footrest get a free footrest who doesn't want a free footrest xchairlevin.com all right your calls next i got more to tell you about as well with regard to this flynn thing and oh yes mika and christine blasey ford so much more i'm larry o'connor this is the mark levin show With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I'm Larry 
O'Connor sitting in for the great one. Mark Levin, 877-381-3811. But good luck getting in. Lines are jammed. Fired up over the details that I just laid out there. The latest now that we've learned about how James Comey and the FBI breach protocol in reaching out to Mike Flynn in the opening days of the Trump administration. He was the national security advisor. Uh, they dissuaded him from having an attorney there. Uh, they did breach protocol by even referring to him directly instead of going through the White House counsel's office. James Comey bragging that he wouldn't have done this if it were the Obama administrations or the Bush administrations. He said, I took advantage of the uh, disorganization there at the beginning days of the Trump administration. Oh, but there's no deep state. No, there's no people with, you know, huge power within the administration or within the government who are trying to undermine or work against the president. Only the FBI director admitting it now. And this comes after a long string of breaches of protocol that Comey has been uh, either admitted to after the fact or uh, been exposed. And it's a serious problem. It's a serious problem when it's clear the intent here is to take down the duly elected president of the United States because people don't like him. I don't care if you don't like him. Run against him. Run somebody else against him if you don't like him. But you don't abuse the police power of the federal government to undermine the will of the American people. And I do want to get to your reactions. Let's go to Caleb, Atlanta, Georgia. Caleb, you are on the Mark Levin Show. I'm Larry. Hi, Larry. How are you doing? Good. What do you say? So my kind of take is that I've grown up seeing the FBI do many things, and I'm totally with you. The way that they, James Comey has interfered with the election in terms of Talks, talking about Hillary Clinton's emails and then um, having all these secret notes that he took in all these Trump meetings and and then going after Flynn. It's, there's a lot of things that I never was used to the FBI really putting their fingers into, and it, it looks it looks dirty. It doesn't look good. Right. Um, but that being said, they put the work to go there. So. I'm honestly left hanging. I don't really feel anyone's innocent in this situation. I, I just want them all gone. Well, why is that? What do you mean you want them all gone? Because for what it's worth, uh, Mike Flynn was to just supervise, was, just, was a, uh, basically just to try to give briefings to the president on what international relations should happen. And for some reason, the, the national police, took issue with the way he did his job. And there shouldn't be any way that that job should be done in a way that would raise any eyebrows. It should just be... Okay, Caleb, I understand what you're saying. Well, a couple of things on this. First of all, understand that the uh, you realize that when the Trump administration began, there were a huge number of holdovers from the Obama administration within the national security uh, uh, apparatus that General Flynn was now in charge of, but also certainly within the Justice Department. In fact, he didn't even have his attorney general in place yet. It was still Sally Yates who was the acting attorney general. See, you recognize that during that week or the intervening weeks, there were a bunch of Obama people who were still in charge, right? Yes. Okay, and you know that the Obama people hated Mike Flynn, right? Do you know that? Absolutely. Yeah, they hated him. So so they would love to get rid of him, number one. But number two, Sally Yates, that person I mentioned, you, you've heard of her, right? She was the acting attorney general that quit in a huff uh, because she wouldn't do her job and, and execute the president's orders as commander-in-chief or as the head of the executive branch. Uh, she's the one who said, hey, we should investigate Mike Flynn because he might violate the Logan Act. Do you know what the Logan Act is? Honestly, no. 
Yeah, you know, that's a good re- thing, Caleb. There's a good reason for that. Uh, it's been a law that's never been enforced for like over 100 years or 150 years. Uh, the Logan Act says that an individual can't operate a foreign policy separate from the official federal government's foreign policy. And they claimed that because Mike Flynn, as the incoming national security advisor, was having conversations with uh, Mr. Kislyak, the ambassador from Russia, and other figures, because, you know, he was the incoming national security advisor, that that could have been interfering with the foreign policy of the Obama administration. This is in the final weeks of the Obama administration, and this is the incoming national security advisor. But that was the 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 straw man that they uh, propped up to justify investigating uh, Flynn and and other figures in the Trump White House. So 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 when you say, you know, well, Flynn's dirty and he should have gone anyway. Well, understand the background here and how we got to this place. They targeted him. They wanted him gone. And even more so. And Caleb, thank you for the call, because it gives me a chance to sort of give you. The background here or or the details as to why this is so important, this this whole Flynn thing. Why are we focusing on Flynn today? Uh, these revelations that came out in the sentencing document that that the FBI had actually dissuaded Flynn from getting an attorney. Right. And they breached protocol to have this conversation theoretically to investigate the Logan Act. Why is that important? Because without the Flynn inquiry without the Flynn investigation that was all bogus from the beginning as I just explained it was all a personal vendetta without that you don't have the Robert Mueller special counsel investigation you don't have Robert Mueller named to investigate Russian collusion and and potential obstruction of justice Now, I know you guys know most of this stuff because you're plugged in. But in case some of the regular CNN viewers are watching or listening, let me just explain that very briefly, because you have to remember the timeline here. Uh, They interview Flynn. Uh, Flynn ends up, it turns out that, that the vice president, Vice President Pence and President Trump in the White House learned that Flynn had not been entirely truthful with them, not with the FBI, with them about certain aspects of his conversations during the transition. And so they asked for his resignation. Flynn is gone. The FBI continues to investigate Flynn. Trump, during one of his meetings with Comey, asks Comey to, you know, listen, Flynn's a good guy, and he just lost his job. We did the right thing by getting rid of him because he wasn't truthful with us. He didn't break the law. It would be great if you could just, you know. And again, by the way, this is all according to Comey. According to Comey, Trump says, you know, it would be great if you just let this thing go. He suffered enough. Comey takes that as obstruction of justice. Comey writes himself a memo. Makes sure after he gets fired that that gets leaked through the New York Times, which, by the way, Comey is now being investigated for for leaking that document. That revelation, plus the fact that Trump fired Comey, is what led to the naming of the special counsel. Ah, Trump Trump tried to tell Comey not to investigate Flynn. Trump's trying to obstruct justice. We got to get a special counsel in here. That's why it's so important. Critically important. Because none of this happens without it. So I know that the instinct, as Caleb in Atlanta uh, has right now, the instinct is, well, they're all awful. They're all terrible. Get rid of them all. Well, listen, we're grownups here. We got brains. We can think this through. We can have gradations of awful. And, and and frankly, 
when you've got the FBI director and the acting attorney general of the United States of America using their investigative powers to, in my opinion, entrap somebody and instigate a, a grand investigation that could take down the president if they have their way, that's pretty bad. That's a lot worse than the alleged false information to a federal agent. And I'm not saying it's okay to lie to a federal agent, but considering the circumstances surrounding that interview with an FBI agent, where he was dissuaded from having his attorney. Oh, and when here's one other thing. Oh, here's another thing about that FBI interview with Mike Flynn. How do we know that Mike Flynn gave false information, right? We've all heard that James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok, the leadership of the FBI at the time, didn't think that Mike Flynn had said uh, an untruth, uh, that he wasn't hiding anything. You've all heard that, right? That interview took place January 27th. Now, the FBI submits, they don't record these things. I don't understand why. Anytime, you know, if I'm interviewing somebody, I record it. If I wanted to interview somebody, I could just pull up my phone. We've all got recording devices in our pockets, for God's sake. Video recording devices. But for some reason, FBI agents don't do that. They take notes, and they file a form called a 302 form. Right? You've heard of this, right? You've heard that because this is a central part of this issue. And I know you're following it because you guys get this. The FBI interviews Mike Flynn in January of 2017. Then they submit their written 302 report. According to the latest information, and I interviewed Byron York from the Washington Examiner earlier today on my show in in Washington, D.C., on WMAL there in Washington. I come on right before Mark. I'm interviewing Byron York, one of the really good reporters in Washington. He has learned through his reporting and through court documents now, public, public filings, that the FBI agents who conducted the interview with Mike Flynn filed their 302 forms in August. In August. Seven months after they interviewed Mike Flynn. Seven months later, they filed their 302 forms. And that's the basis of the charge that he lied to federal investigators. You still think, you know, oh, they're all dirty, they're all corrupt, pox on all their houses. Really? Or maybe something really stinks. Seriously stinks. With the people who were in charge of the Justice Department and the FBI under Barack Obama that had carried through, carried over into the Trump administration in the early days. You know, the more we learn, I think it's the latter, not the former. Jimmy, Brooklyn, listening on the brilliant, legendary WABC. Jimmy, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, I really don't like what they did to General Flynn. He was lured in. You don't need your attorney. It sounded like a friendly, off-the-record kind of discussion. And then he gets tricked. So the FBI could lie to us and apparently to, to a judge. And Flynn could be arrested or indicted for supposedly lying, but then the FBI could lie to us and to a judge. It doesn't make sense. Now, it seems to me this goes against the idea of the Miranda rights. I mean, I know it's not quite that, yeah. but the principle of the Miranda rights, you're told that you, anything you say can and will be used against you. You have a right to an attorney. When you tell a guy, don't worry about it, 
so it's not quite Moran. But you know what I'm saying. It just yeah, doesn't sound. You're right. J- Jimmy, you're absolutely right. It goes against what we all understand to be the principles of the typical interaction of law enforcement and somebody who is suspected of a crime or under arrest. Of course, Flynn wasn't under arrest or suspected of a crime. And again, the, as far as Flynn was concerned, he thought this was a casual conversation amongst colleagues in the Trump administration. You got the guy who's running an FBI counterintelligence investigation picking up the phone and talking to the new national security advisor about his interactions with Russia during the transition. Yeah, come on over. I'll tell you what I know. Uh, he, the FBI agent gets there and says, listen, I just want you to know you, you could have the White House counsel here, though. But if you do, this is going to complicate things, going to make this, uh, you know, where, you know, I don't know if you want to do that, but it's going to be a hassle. And Flynn says, that's all right. Ask your questions. That, that, it stinks, Jimmy. It stinks. Comey denouncing J. Edgar Hoover. Like he thought J. Edgar Hoover was bad to the civil rights movement. J. Edgar Hoover, like President Kennedy, were worried about the Communist Party people involved advising Martin Luther King and stuff like that. J. Edgar Hoover went after Nazis. He went after the Ku Klux Klan. He was not a racist. So for right. Comey to think that, he's not a bright guy. He's not an honest guy. I hate to think that I, I can't trust my I, – I, it's, it's not a good feeling as a patriotic American that I am. God bless you, Jimmy, in Brooklyn. Thank you for calling. I appreciate that, and I, I don't disagree with you at all. It's funny how they always talk about the uh, the Red Scare and J. Edgar Hoover and the, the witch trials going after, you know, accused Soviet spies in the federal government back in the days of the Red Square. I, you know, I went to public school in America, uh, and, and that's what I learned. Just recently, I read a book called Witness by Whitaker Chambers. He was kind of a central figure in that whole thing. And I realized something that you never learn in school. You learn about the Red Scare, but you don't learn one part of the Red Scare that J.R. Hoover was a, a patriotic American trying to uh, fight against. You know what that is? The Red Scare? You know what the one thing you forget that, that you don't learn about in public school? It's the fact that the Red Scare was a Red Scare because there were really Soviet communist spies in the federal government. You know, it's not a witch hunt when there are witches around. And you're absolutely right about J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, James Comey can't hold a candle to J. Edgar Hoover. And I know he's got a sordid and mixed legacy. And by the way, by the way, J. Edgar Hoover's overzealous use of surveillance tactics against American citizens in the 50s and 60s led to the laws we have in place now. The FISA laws that we have. So that the FBI can't abuse our privacy in the way that they did under J. Edgar Hoover. Comey loved J. Edgar Hoover. He followed in his footsteps when it came to abusing the privacy of American citizens in the surveillance of them. All right, we'll take more of your reactions to this. And I've, I've got a little bit more, by the way, on this Mike Flynn thing. One other thing that people just aren't asking themselves, and certainly not something that you're hearing asked on cable news, and that has to do with uh, if Mike Flynn lied to these FBI agents, why would he do that? It defies logic that he would, unless there's something else at foot. I'll explain that. And take more of your calls in a moment. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Coming up, uh, we've got news about uh, three wise women 
really wise women, wisest women on the left that I know. Uh, Christine Blasey Ford, Mika Brzezinski, and <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Couldn't even say it without laughing. They are they are too brilliant for any of us. We've got news about all three of them that I'll share with you. But I do want to wrap up this conversation here that we've had about Mike Flynn and what we've learned about this uh, this the interrogation that took place with the FBI that led to his guilty plea. And, and by the way, it really, it led to the entire special counsel uh, 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 being named, Robert Mueller. And here's this, and I, I mentioned it a second ago. I'm Larry O'Connor, by the way, filling in for Mark Levin. Um, here's the question you need to ask yourself, because this is the one thing that has never really been made clear to me, and it makes me feel like there's still more to this story that seems very simple and very cut and dry and very black and white to many people who look at it. Whether you're looking at it from my perspective, where you think that this is an overreach of the FBI and the Justice Department who had intentions on uh, crippling this presidency, if not uh, making the case that might lead to impeachment. And by the way, we're seeing that play out right now. Um, or if you see it from the left and, and you see that this is, you know, nothing but Joe Friday, James Comey and the good men and women of the FBI finally, you know, investigating the obvious foreign infiltration of our electoral process at the hands of Vladimir Putin. And thank God we had Fusion GPS create a dossier to expose all of it. And, and there are good people, I suppose, who see it that way. But to them, it's very black and white. And to those of us who think the former, to us, it's black and white. And most of the questions about it have been resolved and answered, and we understand this story from our perspectives. Here's what I've never understood. Never, ever, ever, and I still don't, and I, and, I, and I can't wait for this to be revealed. Mike Flynn, the supposed false information that he gave about his conversation with Ambassador Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, where it's alleged that uh, when he was in the transition, he was the incoming national security advisor, he mentioned these sanctions that Obama had just put on. And apparently he said something about how, you know, well, don't react to these sanctions because when we're in power, we might roll them back or something like that. Mike Flynn was the director of national intelligence. He knew that the phone call he was on was not only being listened to, but transcribed. Why would he lie about a call that he knew was transcribed somewhere? Huh? If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. 
Larry O'Connor filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. We got Mika News. We got Christine Blasey Ford. She's back. She's back. Christine Blasey Ford is back. Uh, and we have, oh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez News. Very good. But there's now a move afoot to modify the Constitution to accommodate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We're, we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss in a big way. Uh, by the way, can I just take this moment to remind you, uh, as you are putting together all of your Christmas lists, and by the way, they are Christmas lists, not holiday lists. Did you see Nancy Pelosi yesterday who said, oh, if we had a government shutdown, it would be a terrible Christmas present, or I mean holiday present for the American people. What holiday is she talking about? I love it when political correctness makes you so stupid that you make no sense. It, Hanukkah is over. Okay, I guess I can understand, you know, two weeks ago, if you didn't want to exclude Jewish people from the season and you wanted to say, oh, it's holiday time and you have to get your holiday gift shopping done. But, but Hanukkah's over. There's only one gift-giving holiday in front of us right now. It's Christmas. But she, she couldn't even say that. She couldn't even make her stupid political lame joke and dig at Trump by saying, oh, what a terrible, terrible Christmas present it would be for the American people to have a government shutdown. She stopped herself. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, holiday present. Uh, no, it's it, what, what are you giving away New Year's presents? I know they do that in Japan. We don't do that here. The only thing that we're giving presents for coming in the future, in the near future, is Christmas presents. And if you still have some Christmas presents that you need to give, would you please, please look at this beautiful, beautiful book, Our Police, by Jack Levin, Mark's dearly departed father. It is his uh, last book. It's his legacy. I was fortunate enough to go to a beautiful book reading that Julie, uh, Mark's wife, did of, of this book. She read it to a big group of people in uh, in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, in the suburbs of D.C. It's a beautiful book. It's beautifully illustrated. It's exactly the message that our kids need, not just this time of year, but every day these days as our police are under assault. It's a great book. Please do that. A wonderful present for your kids, for your grandkids um, to have on the shelf. Our Police by Jack Levin. And there's a deal right now at Amazon, right? What is that, Mr. Producer? Remember? It's a 30% off at Amazon. 30% off. So there you go. Bezos stepping up and doing something right. 30% off. Although I don't think he had anything to do with it. Our Police. Do that, please. Uh, also, by the way, uh, the holidays right now are a time for family, being thankful, sharing blessings. That's part of where our police uh, fit in, right? Um, but the holidays are also about scamming, unfortunately. I, I hate that this happens. Every year, fraud increases during the holidays, and the thieves like to celebrate with your hard-earned money. So uh, from fake charities to package delivery scams, it's the season for identity theft. But this year, don't let the holiday spirit distract you from staying safe. You need, to, I, you need identity protection more than ever. So get it from the best. It's my ID care. It's been taking care of Fortune 500 companies for years, and now they're offering identity protection to everyone so you can make sure your whole family is covered. From Tri-Bureau credit monitoring to dark web scamming, it's the kind of comprehensive protection you need. Plans start for less than 10 bucks a month, and only My ID Care offers a money-back recovery guarantee. Don't worry about identity theft anymore. Enjoy your holidays with peace of mind from My ID Care. And Mark's listeners are going to get 15% off at MyIDCare.com slash Mark. Use that promo code MARK. Learn more and then let MyIDCare take care of you. MyIDCare.com slash MARK, promo code MARK. MyIDCare.com slash MARK, promo code MARK. All right, uh, who should we start? Should we start with Mika? Let's start with Mika. Oh, good old Mika. 
what a what a power couple these two are. So Mika Brzezinski is on MSNBC this morning, as is her want, because that's her job. She wakes up the world on Morning Joe. Well, technically, she wakes up Manhattan and Washington, D.C., uh, certain neighborhoods in Manhattan and Washington, D.C. On Morning Joe, that's who's watching, that's who's listening, that's who cares. And uh, Mika Brzezinski had this to say about the Secretary of State of the United States of America. I understand that J- Donald Trump doesn't care. Heilman makes a good point. He doesn't care. But why doesn't Mike Pompeo care right now? Are the pathetic deflections that we just heard when he appeared on Fox and Friends, is that a patriot speaking? Or a wannabe dictator's dead serious, I'm asking. Are these the words of a patriot? Now, we, we, we obviously had to censor what she said because she used a disparaging term uh, often affiliated, well, directly affiliated with the behavior of gay men. Right there on MSNBC in front of Joe and everyone. And... Um, I love it when when in a moment of of anger or peak or emotion, they reveal who they really are. They reveal themselves to be the hateful, intolerant, obnoxious people who throw slurs around left and right without uh, thinking twice about it. When he appeared on Fox and Friends, is that a patriot speaking or a wannabe dictator's dead serious i'm asking are these the words of a patriot yeah and and by the way i love it when someone like mika brzezinski questions the patriotism of secretary of state mike pompeo a man who graduated first in his class at the military academy at west point served our nation honorably continues to serve our nation honorably not just as a congressman but then as director of cia and now as secretary of state and uh, he has to deal with the likes of mika brzezinski questioning if he's a patriot and then calling him a a a gay slur a blank boy uh i'm sure you've seen it by now it happened this morning after all it's a pattern of behavior i have to say over at msnbc two delicious things about this before i get into the pattern of behavior the first is she apologized and most of the headlines that you saw through the course of the day on social media or on websites that report the news or purport to report the news most of the headlines said mika brzezinski apologizes for using the term blank boy um What's funny is all of those publications who printed a story about her apology never actually printed a story about the slur in the first place. Right? You know, usually you'd get, you know, a big, oh, my God, I can't believe Mika Brzezinski called Mike Pompeo a blank boy. That's a a kind of a gay slur. It's really offensive to homosexual men. That story wasn't written. The story that was written is her apology. Her magnanimous and heartfelt apology for saying that. But actually, the apology wasn't that magnanimous and heartfelt because she never really apologized to the person she was slandering, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. She apologized to Dick Durbin, who I guess was on during the segment. And she apologized to people on Twitter who uh, complained to her about it. Maybe she apologized to gay men. I didn't see that part of it. Ambassador Rick Rennell, the United States ambassador to Germany, who is an openly gay man appointed by that homophobic uh, uh, hate monger Donald Trump. Uh, Rick Rennell took issue with this in a big way and said, I'm not buying this apology because you're not apologizing to me. You're apologizing to all the wrong people. 
so so there's that the fact that the apology got more coverage than the actual slur that she used but then there's this. Did you catch this? Because this really is my favorite part of the whole thing. When he appeared on Fox and Friends, is that a patriot speaking? Um, think about this for a minute. She's the host of Morning Joe on MSNBC, and they're doing this entire segment and conversation about an interview that just happened during their show on another network. How pathetic is this? They're they're conceding the fact that news doesn't even happen on their own show. They're relying on the guys down the channel list there over at Fox to actually get guests, have interviews, make news so that they have something to talk about. Why would anyone watch this show? When she's sitting there conceding, oh, my God, did you just see what happened on our competition? When he appeared on Fox and Friends. This is amazing. It just, no, literally, this was an interview he gave this morning at the same time her show was on. That's just sad. That's just sad. But it is. But again, back to this pattern of behavior now, because it really is. Think about this for a minute. You got Mika using the, the blank boy there uh, slur about uh, gay men. Alec Baldwin, remember him? Alec Baldwin, big star there on NBC, same company, uh, had his Thirty Rock show. He had a, a new, he had an actual talk show on MSNBC on the weekends for a while. Uh, then he's back on NBC now on Saturday Night Live. Oh, I know, he just got arrested for getting into a fight with some guy over a parking spot. This is, this is a big, rich, powerful star, and he's fighting with somebody over a parking spot. What kind of human being is this? You know exactly what kind of human being this is. And I understand I've had trouble with parking spots in New York, too, but I control myself. But when you're Alec Baldwin, don't you know who he is? Get out of my parking spot or I'll punch you in the face. Uh, he, if you remember this years ago, not not a lot of years ago, like four years ago, maybe five years ago, uh, he was getting chased down by paparazzi in Manhattan. He gets out of the car, starts threatening one of them and calls him a, uh, well, a gay slur. Starts with a C, ends with an ER. You can fill in the middle. It's multi-symbolic. So you got Mika with the B-Boy Gaysler. You got uh, Alec Baldwin, again, NBC and MSNBC with the C-Word Gaysler. Oh, and then there's Joy Reid. Joy Reid has pages and pages of her blog and Twitter feed full of homophobic gay slurs. That she first claimed she never wrote and that she had been hacked. She actually, she and NBC went so far as to claim they opened an FBI investigation to find out who had hacked her. And they kept lying about it and lying about it and lying about it until they couldn't lie anymore because too many people who understand the traits and characteristics of uh, what a web hack would look like said, no, this was no hack. This is all time-stamped and dated back on the Internet Archive to when you were writing it, six, seven, eight years ago. You said this, Joy Reid. You built that. And finally, she was forced to apologize, but she didn't really apologize because she still claimed that she couldn't believe that she wrote it. Now, this is a journalist who was telling her audience on MSNBC that she can't believe that she wrote something that she clearly wrote. And you're supposed to trust her and believe her with news and information. And by the way, the MSNBC audience, they do. They love her. But again, pattern of behavior. You got this woman. When he appeared on Fox and Friends, is that a patriot speaking? Or a wannabe dictator's 
dead serious. I'm asking, are these the words of a patriot? Using a gay slur to talk about the Secretary of State of the United States of America, a man who graduated first in his class at the Military Academy at West Point. You got Alec Baldwin, who uh, very famously called a paparazzi, a uh, gay slur that starts with C. And you got Joy Reid who uh, has pages and pages of these homophobic slurs that she's responsible for, even though she claimed that she didn't and lied about it until she couldn't lie about it anymore. All of them are employees in good standing at NBC Entertainment and NBC News. NBC. Proud as a peacock. Wait, can I say that in this context? I better check on that. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, 877-381-3811. A little Christine Blasey Ford in the news. I'll give you the details in a second. But first, would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? No, you would not. In fact, you'd do the opposite. How about an organization that scripted portions of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of the Affordable Care Act? That's what uh, Obamacare is. Or how about an organization that stood against tax cuts for middle-class Americans and small business owners? This is against everything you stand for. Why would you give them money? Well, you are giving them money if you joined the AARP. Yeah, that's what they did. So don't do that. Don't join AARP. Join AMAC. The conservative alternative instead. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit that AARP offers, but without the liberal agenda. Become an AMAC member right now at amac.us. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values, like protecting our borders by enforcing common sense immigration laws, supporting small business, standing up for the individual God-given freedoms? You know, America stuff. AMAC is the way to go. There's a ton of work to be done. AMAC is asking that you help them fight the good fight by becoming a member today. Benefits are great because the cause is even greater. Join right now at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC is better, better for you, better for America. All right, Christine Blasey Ford. You remember where we last saw Christine Blasey Ford. She was giving testimony against uh, Brett Kavanaugh in his confirmation hearing, right? And she has not been heard since she has not been seen since. She got out of Dodge. And boy, the Democrats in the Senate, boy, they dropped that story like a hot potato, didn't they? Boy, remember when that was that was all they cared about. That was this this justice must be done. We better where, where is it? Where is that story now? They used her. They used her. She allowed herself to be used. It was despicable what they did to Brett Kavanaugh and and in a way, despicable the way they used Christine Blasey Ford. Because you know, listen. Pardon me. Despite the fact that I think that she should have never given that testimony, I think she should have never put herself in a position where she was ruining a good man's name unless she had a real evidence or corroboration to support it. I also think that she was used by cold, despicable, mean-spirited, ruthless politicians who didn't care one thing about her. They just wanted to win their agenda. They wanted to try to stop Kavanaugh. They tried to hurt Trump. They tried to get their own media presence elevated. And they wanted to raise some money. How do I know that? Because those are all the things that they did, except stop 
Kavanaugh and hurt Trump. Brett Kavanaugh is now a Supreme Court justice, and uh, months later, we now first hear again from Christine Blasey Ford. It's via an unlikely place. Sports Illustrated. No, she's not going to be the new quarterback of the Washington Redskins. Although, I might give her a tryout. No, she was delivering a video honoring a uh, person, an athlete, who was receiving an award from Sports Illustrated here. Good evening. I am honored to speak with you from afar about a woman I admire so much. A woman who suffered abuse as a vulnerable teenage athlete who found the courage to talk publicly to stop the abuse of others. Her courage inspired other survivors to end their silence, and we all know the result. Rachel Denhollander, I am in awe of you, and I will always be inspired by you. Rachel Denhollander is the recipient of the Sports Illustrated Inspiration of the Year Award because she was the first gymnast to come forward and expose the sexual abuse by Larry Nasser, that evil, despicable doctor at Michigan State University, and by extension, a USA Gymnastics. She deserves an award. Uh, that's wonderful that they're honoring her. But you see what they're doing here. By bringing politics into it, by bringing Christine Blasey Ford into this, they're accomplishing two things. They're diminishing the courage of Rachel Den Hollander who actually had corroborative evidence, spoke out in a timely manner so that things could be investigated and checked. Who, who, everything that Christine Blasey Ford didn't do, by equating her and connecting her to Christine Blasey Ford, who, like it or not, is a polarizing political figure because she was used for political purposes, not law and justice purposes, not investigative purposes, not 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 in any criminal justice investigation. No, she was used for politics. That forum was a political forum, and she was used for one partisan political agenda versus another. So now they're sullying. The bravery and courage of Rachel Den Hollander, this gymnast for Michigan State University, and what she did by tying it to this polarizing political figure, number one. And number two, they're attempting to rehabilitate Christine Blasey Ford by saying, see, I'm just like her. I suffered this abuse as a teenager, and I came forward so that justice could be done. I'm just as brave as Rachel Den Hollander. Of course, she waited over 30 years to come forward and couldn't even remember basic details of her story. But other than that, it's exactly the same. Well, at least their voices sound alike. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Larry O'Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. I am the Afternoon Drive host in Washington, D.C. That would be your nation's capital, WMAL. I come on right before Mark Levin, actually. Three to six in the afternoon, and always an honor to sit in his seat and uh, use this uh, very powerful and influential microphone. 
whenever I have the opportunity. So I'm very thankful and uh, honored that Mark wanted me to, to fill in for him today. Uh, 877-381-3811. Let's have some fun, shall we? Uh, why shouldn't Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez run for president? I mean, she can't. The Constitution says she can't because you got to be 35. But the whole purpose of an article over at Vox by one Matthew Iglesias suggests that uh, that's ridiculous. Why shouldn't someone as young as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez run for president? And uh, I, I'm willing to have that conversation. I mean, do we still need to have a prohibition on someone younger than 35 running for president? What's the point? Why? Why should we? And for that matter, why should we have an age limit on the Senate and the Congress, 30 and 25 respectively? Why? Uh, I, I, I'd love to hear your reaction to this. I'm trying hard to remove Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC as the kids call her. I'm trying to remove her from the mix here because part of me really wants her to run. It would be fantastic. But, but, and it's hard, it's hard to remove her from it, but, but, but it's, Let's have the conversation based on the principles and values, not the individual involved. See, that would be a leftist thing to do. That would be a, well, a uh, Matthew Iglesias at Vox's thing to do. Because to him, it never occurred to him until now. And now he's realized, oh, the Constitution is wrong, been wrong for 230 some odd years. Let's get rid of that and let Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez run. Okay, what would be the downside to that? Why do we still need the 35-year-old prohibition? And while we're at it, while we're making modifications to how this country runs based on age limitations, are there any other limitations that you'd like to see removed or modified? For instance, frankly... I'd be willing to give up the idea that you have to be 35 years old to run for president. If we could trade, you know, this is where you do go to a, a convention, you barter these things out, right? That's what they did at the U.S. Constitution, the Constitutional Convention back in 1787 or 89. Uh, they, they, they traded things. They negotiated. They bartered, right? So I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Matthew Iglesias at Vox. I'll give you, I'll give you this. Let's remove the 35-year-old prohibition on being a candidate for presidency and vice presidency. You, you can, there's no age limit, all right? If you'll give me a new provision that says you can't vote for president unless you're 35, all right? So if you're younger than 35, sure, you can run for president. Let Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez be president. Go for it. But you don't actually get the vote unless you're 35. Unless you're 35 and you pay taxes. Good? Are we good Good with that? That's a good deal. Hey, are there any other age limitations that you would like to see change? Or for that matter, why is it we can't have a president and vice president from the same state? Right? Then why not? Let's do 877-381-3811. Make your arguments one way or the other on this. I think it's fascinating to see the left go so crazy for her. Uh, sometimes you read an article and you have to check the URL to make sure that it's not a fake site, a parody site trying to look like the site that there, that, that it appears to be. I, I had to look at Vox.com here on this article by Matthew Iglesias. And I needed to see if it actually said VOX.com and not, you know, VOCKS.com, like a parody Vox site. 
Uh, it says it's ridiculous. Oh, and he goes further, by the way. The the headline is it's ridiculous that it's unconstitutional for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to run for president. Subhead, immigrants, young people, and everyone else should be allowed to run. Everyone else. Well, why stop at immigrants? Why stop at citizens? Why shouldn't a foreigner be able to run? He said everyone else. Why not a foreigner? Foreigner should absolutely be able to run for president, right, Matt Iglesias? I, I truly did think this was parody, especially when I got to this Paragraph. One good sign that AOC should run for president is that she has a nickname, AOC. I swear to you, I'm not making this up. This is actually considered the the intelligentsia of the left. This is considered cutting-edge, intellectual, introspective discussion on the important matters of our nation. By one Matthew Iglesias of Vox.com. A House Democratic staffer told me the other day that ACO was a good example of something, and I knew exactly who she meant, despite the error. See, you get that? The staffer is so stupid that she's praising AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and she gets the name wrong. So it's stupidity laden on top of stupidity. Uh, I, I knew who she meant despite the error because there aren't any other members of Congress who have widely recognized nicknames that you would just drop into casual conversation. Is having a nickname a sign that you would exercise good judgment in the Oval Office? Absolutely not. But it's proof positive that she's an honest-to-goodness political superstar. And it's clear that's what many Democrats are looking for in 2020. Well, there you go. She's got a nickname so she should run for president. And I kid you not, as she lists out the reasons... Why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez should be president despite her age? That's the second point he makes. You'd think there'd be a hierarchy of arguments on behalf of a candidate, right? Number two, the second most important argument Matthew Iglesias makes is that she has a nickname. By the way, the first argument he makes, young is better than old. Yeah, I thought that too at one time. Mm, until I got old. This is a remarkable argument. By the way, this this is the critical paragraph that really should drive our conversation here today. Um, and that is this. Uh, uh, oh, oh, where did it go? Th- this is the most important uh, uh, paragraph. The constitutional prohibition on people under the age of 35 serving as president is just one of these weird lacuna that was handed down to us from the 18th century, but that nobody would seriously propose creating today if not for status quo basis. Realistically, most people that young would simply have a hard time winning an election. But if you can pull it off, you should be allowed. And I kind of think... She should run for president. So this is just an old lacuna handed down from the 18th century that makes no difference to us today. And we would never even propose that you have to be 35 to be president if Alexander Hamilton and James Madison and the founders hadn't just put this together when they they handed it down to us. And he may be right about that, I suppose. Uh, By the way, while you're analyzing these ancient 100-year-old or 200-year-old lacuna that we just sort of accept as as a given, without actually analyzing the logic behind it and whether it's good for our country and makes sense, could you please analyze birthright citizenship? Could you? It could be, because when you hold it up to the mirror of logic, birthright citizenship really doesn't make much sense. Why should somebody automatically be a citizen just because they 
happen to enjoy the accident of being born on our soil, even if their parents aren't citizens? I've been waiting for the logical, reasoned argument behind birthright citizenship. And if you start to quote the 14th Amendment, I'm going to have to go a little nuts on you. Setting aside the constitutionality of it, because it's obviously constitutional that you must be 35 to run for president. And therefore, if you want to argue that it's in the Constitution and the 14th Amendment, the adversary says, okay, fine. Since we're setting aside the Constitution for a moment, let's just argue the logic of it. Why should we have birthright citizenship? Have that said, well, how is that good for the country? How is that in our interest? How does it make logical sense that a, a, a woman who is in this caravan happens to cross the border, give birth one foot across our border, and suddenly that child is a citizen? But if she had given birth a, a foot to the other side of the border, it wouldn't be an American citizen. What's the logic reasoned argument behind that? See, but they don't take up those arguments. They take up these important ones. Like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez should totally run for president because she has a really cool nickname. You know? All right, so let's have this game. Let's, let's, let's play this out. Any other changes you'd like to make? And seriously, why do we have this age limit? All right, how about uh, John, Arlington, Virginia, listening to the aforementioned WMAL. John, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Uh, yeah, I I believe she should absolutely run for president because, uh, you know, when she runs, she'll have to be transparent and disclose how socialist and a communist that she is. Right now, the media doesn't touch her. SNL doesn't touch her. Uh, you know, the left does not want to touch her. They want to prop her up to be a savior of a some form of a younger generation. But I think the more vocal and the more... Uh, larger platform she receives, I believe it truly will open the eyes of most people to see how insane and crazy her rhetoric is when it comes to understanding the most basic principles of economy as well as how to run a government. Uh, so to me, if she runs, you know, it actually is a better thing. Uh, and I understand, you know, we live in a capitalistic economy, so it, you don't have to be a certain age to be a billionaire or a millionaire. And uh, as much as I do want to advocate for a certain age to be a president, uh, at the same time, you know, having her, of all the people, having her run for presidency, it will truly show how insane of a choice that she is for the Democratic Party and how yeah. far they've come. And I, I did have one thing just to, just to put in there, is that, you know, um, my, one of my issues I have with the, uh, the, the right is that as, as much as I didn't support Trump, I, I didn't vote for him, but I believe in Trump more than most people would. I'm not black. I'm not white. Uh, but what I wanted to just have your opinion is that why is it so hard for people to start a movement when they're uh, uh, looking at Trump and they want to believe in Trump, but they don't have a platform? Thank okay. You. Well, John, I'm not, I'm not sure I get the crux of your question because we all have platforms these days. Uh, thank you for the call. Uh, if, if you want to support Trump, you've got a platform and you can create one yourself We through the magic of social media and the Internet. That's what I did uh, years ago, 10 years ago. It was that I wanted to get my voice out there and I just uh, started creating a podcast and a live Internet radio show. It's amazing how low the barrier of entry is. So you want a platform? You got one. Just take advantage of it. Uh, but but you, you make a good point about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and how she should run for president. I want to believe you're right. I would love to see the the presidential debate 
and the choice in 2020 come down to capitalism versus socialism, whether it's in the guise of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, who, by the way, are now claiming they're not socialists. Right. I don't know if you caught that or not, uh, but they're claiming that's that's what uh, in Maryland, my home state. That's what Ben Jealous, who was a socialist and uh, promoted Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton in their primary, uh, he ran for governor and he immediately, got, once he got the nomination, said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a capitalist. I'm not a socialist. I would love for the debate to come down to that. Uh, and I would think that the multi-billionaire real estate developer, free market uh, capitalist, he'd be able to make the arguments better than anyone against a socialist. Uh, about which is better. And I, and I, to, to quote a line from the great musical 1776, uh, people will always protect and fight for the possibility of becoming rich rather than facing the reality of being poor. And, and, and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and the socialists, they, they, they are constantly beating the drum that we are all part of the lower class and we must steal from the rich so that we can have some sort of uh, basic sustenance and carve out a miserable little life where we're all equal. You know, like Lenin said. And, and ultimately, I think especially Americans will always reject that idea so that we can hold out the hope that we can be Donald Trump someday or Jeff Bezos someday. Well, I, I, honestly, I'd even take some Bernie Sanders money. He's doing pretty well for himself. I'd like to think that's how the debate goes. Sadly, however, sometimes I think, especially in America, the socialist message of all free things all the time is very enticing unless you have a very good person to combat it. I think Trump could do that. But, but fundamentally, are you okay with the age limitation of 35 years old? whether it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or anybody else, do we need to keep that age limit? Or is it there for a good reason? Do you like the fact that you have to be 35 before you run for president? And if so, why? Like I said, I'd be fine with a 35-year-old running for president as long as we change the voting age to 35. I'm much more concerned about that. If you're 25 and you want to run for president, go for it. My bigger issue is people who are voting who don't know what the hell they're doing. 877-381-3811. Let's have this conversation and have some fun. I'm Larry O'Connor. It's the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. Connor sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Uh, Matthew Iglesias uh, gives us the inspiration for this conversation. He writes at Vox that uh, it's ridiculous that it's unconstitutional for the uh, genius who walks amongst us, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that she can't run for president because she's not 35 yet. And he says that this is just an archaic lacuna handed down from the 18th century. It would never even be considered today if we were redrafting the Constitution. So why should we uh, do it? Uh, He also, by the way, uh, makes the case that uh, one of the reasons why she should really run for president is that she has a nickname. So that tells you how deep they've thought this through. But, But you know what? I think it's a fair question. Should we still have 35? Why? I mean, while we're while we're working on the uh, Constitution, making some changes now and again, there's a lot of th- there's a few things about the Constitution I'd change. God knows the the namesake of this radio program, the great Mark Levin, 
would certainly, uh, he wants to have an Article 5 constitution so he can make some changes because things have gone a bit astray. While we're at it, well, what the heck, let's look at the 35-year-old thing. What do you say? How about Doug, Indianapolis? Doug, you are on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah. Uh, like I was telling call screener, <laughs> uh, 35 is a little bit young. I, I think they'll raise it to 50. <laughs> uh, you want to go in the other direction. I, I really... I really didn't mature enough mentally. Are you there? Yeah, I am, Doug. We're listening. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really mentally mature enough until at least 50, maybe even 55. <laughs> and you're still in good health, and, and, you know, you can still run the country doing that. Sure. Well, all right, so Doug wants to, Doug says, you're right, Metaglacius. Let's, let's relook at that 35-year-old age limit. Doug, thank you for the call. But let's move it back to 50, not exactly where Iglesias wanted to go. You know, there's a fair argument for that. You know, by the way, of course, as you can well imagine, of course, the founders did talk about this. Uh, there's uh, plenty of notes about it, and, and Madison wrote about the age limitations in Federalist 62, as a matter of fact. Uh, it, it, a couple of reasons why. They had the age limits that they had. First of all, they put the first age limit of 25 on Congress because uh, many of the people who were making the arguments at the time said, uh, including um, James Wilson, future Supreme Court justice. By the way, there's no age limit on Supreme Court justice. Isn't that funny? On the Supreme Court, there's no age limit. And that's a you know job for life. But there is an age limit on Congress, Senate, and presidency. And uh, James Wilson uh, made the argument that uh, he didn't really have any reason to have strong political opinions or even know what the heck he was talking about till he was 21. He said he was too crude and erroneous to merit an influence on public measures. It's probably right. George Mason disagreed, by the way. Why did Madison want the president to be 35? I'll tell you that and take more calls in a moment. champion of liberty and true conservatism call mark now 877-381-3811 larry o'connor sitting in for the great one mark levin talking about this ridiculous article at vox.com by matt iglesias saying that uh, we got to remove the constitutional prohibition on anyone younger than 35 running for president uh, because alexandria ocasio-cortez she's the chosen one Okay. I'm actually okay with that. I'm ready for her to run. I think that'd be brilliant. It'd be wonderful. Please do that. She, uh, she'd be brilliant. Giardi is brilliant. Um, as, as a Republican, I want the Democrats to hitch their wagon to that star. Uh, but in a broader sense, do we really need this prohibition of anyone younger than 35 to run for president? While we're at it, are there any other changes you'd like to make? You know, it's easy enough, right? To make that amendment. Uh, Why is it 35, by the way? Uh, I said Madison. James Monroe. James Monroe uh, wrote about this in, uh, oh, no, no, Madison wrote uh, Federalist 62. This was not in a Federalist paper because, of course, Monroe didn't write the Federalist papers, but he did write about it at the time um, about why they were very concerned about uh, someone younger than 35 being president. You know, if you study that time in our history and in the, you know, 10 years after the Revolutionary War, during the time of the Articles of Confederation and when they 
reconvened for the Constitutional Convention, they recognized that they needed a chief executive role. And, of course, they asked George Washington to be the president of the Constitutional Convention, right? It was already kind of baked in the cake that they uh, were eyeing Washington as president. And it absolutely makes sense. And I absolutely suggest that you read uh, Ron Chernow's incredible biography of George Washington. I just finished it a month ago, and it's brilliant. It's wonderful. And it's based on all of his writings and extensive writings. I mean, he was writing like mad back then. And so were his contemporaries. Alexander Hamilton also has an incredible uh, volume of writings. And, of course, Hamilton was in many respects during the Revolutionary War and certainly during uh, the presidency of George Washington. He was right there. So a lot of writings from Hamilton reflect on Washington at the time. And uh, many of the provisions that they put forth... In the Constitution and during the convention, when they're talking about the executive branch and they're talking about the head of state who will become the president, they they had Washington in mind. And so many of the things that they were discussing were very specific to Washington because they saw Washington as the ideal president. And one of those things was the fact that he didn't have any children. A lot of people don't know this or they don't focus on it, but it is true. It is an absolute fact that one of the reasons why you unanimously across the board, people saw Washington as the ideal first president of the United States of America was that he had no kids. He had no progeny. He would not create a dynasty. He would not hand the crown, if you will, to his son. They were terrified of that. They did not want a new kingdom here. They were so invested in the idea of a democratic republic, that that there would be the people's voice putting up representatives on their behalf to make laws, and that, yes, we would vote for this chief executive via the Electoral College. So there was still a, a modicum of, uh, of, of, of uh, electoral representation, so it's not a direct vote, it, it, to, to choose that person as the president of the United States, but they did not want a new monarchy. They did not want anything that resembled a dynastic monarchy where a father would pass on the position to his son. And so one of the reasons that they made 35 years old the cutoff date is because back then it would be very rare for a man who was president to have a son that was over 35. James Monroe wrote about this. It's it's actually quite impressive. That they thought this through. Constitution has provided that no person shall be eligible to the office who is not 35 years old. And in the course of nature, very few fathers leave a son who has arrived to that age, he said. Now, ironically, of course, uh, John Adams, the second president, his son did end up becoming president of the United States within his lifetime. But it wasn't a dynastic thing where he handed it down. Isn't that interesting? So there was thought put into this. There were reasons why they did this. And yes, of course, the wisdom required to hold elected office at the federal level was a big part of this as well. That you've acquired the wisdom. And and say what you will about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I try not to beat up on her too much, but she does make it awfully easy now and again, doesn't she? Um, And and I hate knocking people based on their intelligence, because who am I? You know, who, who am I? I'm just, I'm just a dumb radio guy, right? I'm just, I'm just, I used to work on Broadway theater. I'm like a father of four. I did, you know, seriously, I, I, I like to brag that I finished in the top 90 percentile in my class. I did not get good grades. 
I'm, I'm not seriously. This isn't about intelligence because you don't get smarter as you get older, but you do get wiser. Wisdom is not the same as intelligence. And my concern about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and while I'm at it, my concern about Matthew Iglesias at Vox.com, who wrote this ridiculous article, is not that they're not smart. I have no doubt they're smart. I'm sure they're smarter than me. I worry about their wisdom and lack thereof. And frankly, we've had really smart presidents in the past. Crying out loud, uh, Jimmy Carter was a Naval Academy Academy graduate. You know how hard it is to get into the Naval Academy? My daughter's going through that process right now. It ain't easy. You got to be the best of the best. Every person in the Naval Academy is basically the valedictorian. Think of a school full of valedictorians. That's the Naval Academy. Jimmy Carter was a Naval Academy graduate and a nuclear scientist. Jimmy Carter is a smart guy. How'd that presidency work out? It's not just about being smart. It's about wisdom and wisdom you get with age and experience and having the right values and principles to guide you through your life. All right. How about you? Where do you stand on this? Matt Green Bay, Wisconsin. The cheeseheads are out in force. Matt, you're on the Mark Levin show. Hi there. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the same thing as the gentleman mentioned before. I believe that we should definitely bring it forward if we're going to start talking about age. And while we're on the, the whole age conversation why don't we lower it then i mean how far are we going to take this are we going to take it from you know to the point where 29 is okay why shouldn't an 18 year old be able to do it someone that's really smart i mean you know i know that you talked about not you know dumping on ocasio cortez and it is very easy but i mean she's just out of a out of a bar she can't name three you know branches of government yeah yeah it's it's just something that I don't think our country she needs to go through the steps in order to become the president. And she doesn't have, like you said, any wisdom at this point, And she has to gain that wisdom. She has to be able to name those three branches in order to go forward. It, it, and, to, to start with. And while she's at it, you know, stop inventing a third uh, chamber of the legislative branch. Yeah, Matt, listen, I, I do agree with you. I do. Uh, it, it, but is there an arbitrary age? I mean, listen, I've met plenty of 40 year olds who are, are the last people I want to sit in the Oval Office. Um, and so the age thing does feel arbitrary, but there was a rhyme and reason behind it. I'm comfortable with it, but I do like hearing the arguments one way or the other. I really do. Uh, thank you for the call, Matt. How about, um, Bill? In the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. So don't you want a 20-year-old to be uh, hanging out down there at 1600 Pennsylvania, Bill? <laughs> Absolutely, Larry. Enjoying your show. Hey, uh, I think it's the two Vs. I think it's vetting and virtue. You know, our uh, <laughs> our, our founding fathers, you know, they the, the one thing they said, we can, we can set up a, a perfect uh, governmental society, but without virtue, and I've heard Mark say this many times, it'll fail. And so virtue is something you gain over, over time, you know, and, and vetting, um, vetting, if the older you get, you know, um, you either do some, most people do some dumb things, they do some smart things, uh, but they have a history. And, and so you can look back and see that history. So most importantly, though, is, is virtuous and, and you want someone that uh, is looking at the big picture and what's right for everybody, not uh, what's right for 
this group of people or that group of people or um, what's best for them so they can line their pockets. So, yeah, the two V's for me. Very well said, Bill. I, I, I'm concerned, though, because you say you're in Washington, D.C., but I, you're going to give that town a, a different reputation than it holds right now with that kind of clear thinking. You must be from well, out of town. I, well, actually, I, I'm from Washington State, which is a blue state, but we're on the east side, so a bunch of Republicans here. Oh, are, oh no, I'm, I'm aware of that. I um, uh, You like your guns out there on the east side of the state of Washington. You might, you might as well be in Montana, Wyoming. Bill, thank you for that. Uh, I appreciate it. Well said. Very well said. We'll continue this conversation here in a moment as uh, Matt Iglesias at Vox makes the case for doing away with the 35-year-old age limit because, you know, we've got to have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the Oval Office. We, we, we hardly deserve her walking amongst us mortals. Is it we mortals? You know what I mean. So uh, let's elevate her as soon as we possibly can to the highest office of the land. I'd love to get your response on all of that. 877-381-3811. By the way, talking about wisdom, talking about knowledge, talking about intelligence, you know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what's good. Uh, Have you been through the process of getting your kids in college and doing these college tours and seeing what's actually happening on campus? The vast majority of them, and I've just been through this process with one, going through it with my second one. The vast majority of them have abandoned those missions. They're locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. They reject the idea of objective truth. They peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries now, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, publication of its free speech digest Imprimus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College, and I'm Larry O'Connor, and this is the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. I'm Larry O'Connor sitting in for Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. Hey, you want to make sure nothing comes between you and protecting your family this holiday and save hundreds of dollars while you're at it. You need Simply Safe Home Security. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Uh, say they destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. Here's what I love about this. Maybe it's overkill, but maybe it's the last thing you want to think about this holiday. But with Simply Safe, you are always ready for anything. They believe nothing should get between you and protecting your family. And that's what we do, right? We we protect our family. That's why Simply Safe doesn't cost an arm and a leg. They charge you what's fair, what's right. $14.99 a month. And today, you can save hundreds of dollars on that protection if you go to simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. Make sure to use that URL so they know we sent you. But hurry, this holiday offer is ending soon. Simply Safe Mark. 
Com. We're talking about the idea of uh, changing the age on uh, being the president, 35, because the left wants Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to be their presidential nominee, and she's not old enough, bless her heart. Well, okay, well, what do you think the age should be? Should we change it? I told you that uh, Monroe wrote at the time of the founding that they did this because they didn't want fathers passing this on to their sons, right? Because at the time, the idea was that a father who was old enough to be president probably didn't have a son that was over 35. So that's where they said it. Well, that doesn't apply now. That doesn't apply now at all. Donald Trump's sons are well over 35, right? George uh, Bush, 41st president, his son was over 35. Uh, so, so maybe we need to adjust it the other direction if that's the purpose of that age limit. Debbie, Columbia, South Carolina. Debbie, you're next up on the Mark Levin Show. Hi. Um, First-time caller, long-time listener. I am in favor of the age limit for the presidency, and with that being said, you are correct. Uh, with age comes wisdom, but I would also like to say that if there is a mandatory term limit for the presidency, then there should be a mandatory term limit for congressional members. Yeah. Yeah, listen, Debbie, thank you for that. And and as we were discussing uh, the Article 5 Constitution uh, the, that you hear Mark Levin talk about uh, quite a bit, and of course his book, The Liberty Amendments, that's part of it. That's definitely part of what he believes as well, and I'm with him. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, listen, the the Founding Fathers didn't like term limits, they didn't want term limits, so who are we to, to rethink it? That's the whole part, point of an Article 5 convention, is that we look at what's going on right now in our country, we look at what has happened in 200 40 years of our constitutional republic under this set of rules if it hasn't all gone ideally we have the mechanism to change it and i think one of the real things that has not gone in an ideal way is the fact that uh, people can be said you know orrin hatch bless his soul or bless his heart i should say he's not passed away but he's what 87 years old i think he's the longest serving member of the united states senate right now uh, he first came to the Senate in 1977. So what is that? 40 years, 40 years. He's been a United States Senator over 40 years. Uh, there's, there's no possible way that our founders ever envisioned that kind of thing. They didn't think someone would sit in the Senate that long and nothing to nothing against Orrin Hatch, but I heard him give his uh, valedictory speech today down on the well of the Senate as is custom. You give your final speech. Everybody comes out to listen to it. It's a big deal. I love the pageantry. I love America. God bless us. And he said uh, serving in the Senate has been the opportunity of a lifetime. Well, with all due respect, it's been the opportunity of two lifetimes the way you did it. I, I, I Seriously, it it's just. It's it's certainly something that needs to be fixed. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, so yes, keep the age thirty five. And while we're at it, let's let's do away with uh, this unlimited tenure that our representatives and our senators have. So who here thinks that our country is is better off, or our federal government functions in a more productive and uh, uh, functional way? Because we've got people serving in the Senate for 30 plus years. Who here thinks there's a net benefit to that? That we're actually better off than if we had term limits. It's, it's ridiculous on the face of it. And, 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 and most people recognize that and they know it. The only reason that people want to retain that is for power, 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 power. 
you know, they'll tell you, oh, you need the institutional experience. You can get fine institutional experience. Don't don't tell me about how you need institutional experience, Democrats, when Barack Obama was a senator for four years and then you moved him to the White House. And he was running against a guy who had been in the Senate for 25 years in John McCain. Don't tell me how much you value the institutional experience that you gain from serving for multiple terms when you're ready to move a guy who's been senator for four years into the White House. And you do it all the time. You did it with John Edwards, too. John Edwards, you were ready to put a heartbeat away from the presidency when you made him the vice presidential candidate. It's about power. It's about power and political opportunism. By the way, before I forget, I want to make sure that you remember that this Christmas season, the finest present you can give to your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, is the beautiful, beautiful book by the late Jack Levin, Mark's dad. It's his final book. It's his uh, the, the, a crowning achievement in his legacy. It's called Our Police. It talks about our police in our society, all different kinds of police. It's what kids really need to 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 read and hear and learn about our police so that they can get the love and respect and honor that they deserve, because God knows they're not getting it from so many other parts of our popular culture. Right now, if you buy our police at Amazon.com, you get 30% off for the holidays. So do that, will you? I'm Larry O'Connor. Find me on Twitter at Larry O'Connor. And this has been the Mark Levin Show.